And it's another great morning. It's pretty dark here, though, Willie. Mm, I can't. I would like to tell you guys that uh, it's cloudy and it's going to rain this week, but I don't want to jinx it, so I'm not going to say a word. I had uh, Martin Black and David and Karen Sampson stopped in here yesterday, and I was remarking how wet it's been here. Conley Walker, our guest, we were talking about how wet it is over his way, and and he says, my, oh, my, not down in Texas. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. No. So, Conley, if we're going to be friends, you can't tell me how wet it is at your house. I don't want to hear nothing about all the rain you've been getting and how miserable it is because we have. I'll tell you. All right. Four tell inches me. of rain in Weezer, Idaho in the last, what, two and a half weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. So. Welcome aboard, so Conley. <laughs> Well, thanks for having me this morning, guys. I, I appreciate the invite, and, and this this ought to be a pretty good time. But, um, yeah, to, to get back to to Kerry's comment there, yeah, Weezer, Idaho, we average uh, maximum 11 inches of precipitation a year. So we knocked quite a bit of it out in, a, in the month of August that uh, we typically average less than a quarter inch. For the month of for the month of August here, <laughs> so, so so yeah, where I, I grew up. We got, well, where I grew up, Conley it was nine to twelve inches a year, and uh, they always said it. That's not much rain, but you ought to be here the night we get it. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So we probably should have a proper introduction. Conley Walker, he's a saddle maker over in uh, just north of Boise, right over there. And, and uh, I met Conley, what what has it been, 15 years ago, 12, 14, 15 years ago? And um, so he's been doing a super job and, and was one of our first fellowship recipients with the TCAA. Um, so... Well, one yep. of those first years. Uh, I can't remember what year that was. Uh, 2014, 2015. 15. Okay. Hmm. I'd forgotten that. Yep. Time flies when we're all having fun. Oh, sure, sure. And then uh, 2013 was the, uh, I believe that was the first emerging artist. Saddle makers contest. So oh, I, was a, I was a part of that as well. Did Kerry let you win, Conley, or did did he let? Are we not friends with him still? Uh, I let him win. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah, that, that was uh, that was a pretty intense contest. There was. Uh, I don't, gosh, I don't remember. I think there was 15 um, saddle makers that entered that contest, and boy, uh, the 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 group of the group of people that were there and and had saddles entered, it was kind of a coin toss to see who who got away who got to walk away with the ribbon for sure. I mean, it it was an impressive body of work in my mind. Oh, that's so, cool. There was, as yep. I remember, it was Rick Bean and I were there. Uh, 
to judge that and discuss and critique and all that. And uh, I remember, I think the top five or six saddles were separated by the the width of a the the thickness of a credit card. It was it was tough. Nancy Martini was in there, I think, and and mm-hmm. uh, Steve Mason, and that was some pretty pretty good stuff in there. That was good. Well, why don't you yes, tell us yes, a little well, bit of what, what brought you to this uh, day and time right now, Conley? Okay. Um, well, I, I I got started at a pretty early age. Um, I was I was maybe sixth grade when I was rummaging through the garage and found a box of old tools and a Tandy kit that my dad had from years and years ago when when he was in grade school and playing around with stuff. And of course, you know, I, I was kind of a hyperactive kid and always taking things apart to see how stuff worked. So out came all the tools and scattered them from one end of the house to the other and just started, started tinkering with stuff. Um, it kind of sparked my interest and, and pretty soon it was, you know, cutting a belt out, and and then uh, I started making odd small things, uh, wallets, uh, belts, spur straps, and I kind of moved into shafts, and and uh, we, uh, I worked, I, I built enough little stuff for the Christmas runs, and you know how it is, family and friends and the neighbors, and oh well, that's cool. So everybody ordered orders something from you, and so I took I took all I kept saving my money and scrounging it up, and and I bought my first sewing machine when I think I was fourteen, and it was it was bolted down to the coffee table and the live in the family room of the house, um, so you can imagine. <laughs> You can imagine how impressed my mother was with leather scraps and glue and dye um, in the family room on the carpet and and so on and so forth. But somehow I she didn't kill me, thank goodness. But uh, <laughs> yeah, she she endured a lot. So then as time kind of went on, um, uh, we had a, a friend of ours that uh, built built some saddles uh, on the side and he'd actually moved to Weezer uh, when I was in high school. And so I, of course, weaseled my way in there and started hanging out there and, and uh, kind of got, got going. And by the time I'd graduated high school, I'd built uh, three saddles. Um, so, so yeah, uh, from, from there, I, I attended a, Community College at uh, Ontario, 30 miles away, and and I I stayed at home, and I I stayed there at my friend's shop, and and basically did about a two-year apprenticeship there, and it was anything from uh, doing repair work to stamping, basket stamping, geometric stamping, pieces, parts on saddles to uh, putting saddles together, just kind of whatever walked through the door. And it happened at a really great time um, because I didn't have any orders. And it was it was a really good chance to learn when you didn't have the, 
the full pressures of life uh, on your shoulders. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, get that. Get so, that. yeah, then, then from there, I, I transferred on. Um, I finished up uh, my four-year degree at Oregon State. Um, I got a degree in, in business and the, the whole time I was, I was away the last two and a half years there, I, I'd worked some extra summer jobs, saved some money. Uh, I was able to have my own apartment. And by that point I had put together my full shop and that was in the front room of my apartment. And I'd go to school, uh, whenever class time was during the day. And then evenings, weekends, anything else in between when maybe I should have been studying, I was pounding on a piece of leather and just kind of kept pushing on it and was able to pay my way through most of my college education. That's awesome. So at that, at that point, I graduated in 2005. Um, part of, part of our, uh, uh, graduation requirements was we had to do an internship. Uh, that was what they were using as their job placement at the time. I ended up going to Portland, Oregon, and uh, excuse me, and doing my internship at Oregon Leather Company, which is a, a, a lo very, very large wholesale leather company uh, that's really dominated most of the West Coast for a number of years. They had multiple stores and and huge huge family family company so i uh i was in i was in portland for i believe it was it was almost two months um talk about fish out of water a farm kid from ranch kid from small town weezer idaho and in old town portland uh it was i saw some things that i've never seen before so, <laughs> i can imagine you know, and, and I'm sure I, I stuck out like a blinking red light, but uh, but it was good. Um, the what what was so intriguing about it was was I mean I I had been ordering supplies from the company uh, for a number of years. I, I got to know one of the owners um, and dealt with him a lot, but it was pretty interesting to go see the other half of of what I do. Um, you know, how, how are we, where are our, our materials being sourced? Um, you know, the, the ins and outs of, of, um, the marketing, the inventory control, um, they had a storefront. So dealing with customers on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, the order filling, um, you know, it was, it was good. It was very, very valid. Um, and I, I'm I'm very thankful that I that I that I had the opportunity to go through that. Um, so when I finished up there, uh, they did in fact offer me a job. But you know, when when you're 25 and you're going to get the world to hold of by the tail, no, I wanted to go home and I was going to do my own thing. So um, I I respectfully declined, um, came home. Uh, we actually got, my wife and I got married, uh, that summer and that fall, I, that would have been, yeah, the December of 2005, I opened the shop full time. That's awesome. And then just 
boy, I kind of just put my head down at that point and um, started laying the ground rules of what I was going to do and and um, tried it. So I don't know. Fast forward, what 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 is that now? Uh, Seventeen years later, and it's still it's still going. What a cool thing, though, that you could have gone through college and and had an internship with uh, a business that directly related to what you're doing now, right? I mean, that's, that's cool that that got to happen. Yeah, yes, very, very valuable experience. Uh, and and what was what was really interesting, what was what was great for me in that aspect is, um, it it was. It gave me the opportunity to take some of what we were talking about in, in some of those business classes and turn around and directly apply it and see how pieces and parts uh, work in the leather industry. Because um, sure. oftentimes, I think we, we, look at, we look at some of this industry as it, uh, it's a little different. And it doesn't it doesn't react or respond the same way that uh, quote unquote a normal corporate setting business does. We think there's no correlation, right, between yeah. our crap. Yeah. yeah. Well, I or or I, or we're this we're this unique oddity, and there there isn't yeah. the ideas don't necessarily apply to us. It, we're in reality, which I want to get into deeper with this here in, here in, here in a sec. I think we need to talk about some other stuff first, but it is in, in reality, they're very similar. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Business is business. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, before we get off into that, Schwartz, because I'm pretty sure I could talk a long time about the business side, of course, with Conley. I, y'all had a little event this weekend I think we need to hear about before we get off into that. Yeah, we had a had a big time here in old Salmon, Idaho, north of town, actually, at the University of Idaho. Uh, it's a ranch that was gifted to the university, and they it's a cow-calf operation, and they've got a really nice facility there with a, they call it a lecture hall, had a big screen and tables and chairs, a pretty cool location on a little pond along the highway up there. So, um, Friday the whatever it was the 8th i guess it was of september we we uh pulled together a few horses and had some saddle trees i think we had in attendance over 30 saddle makers from idaho uh there was two or three from montana crossed over the border and snuck in and we had one gal from wyoming and um so it was really really well attended and and uh had a great visit uh then saturday we talked more about the art part of things and but also more tree stuff saddle tree stuff and conley was a big participant in that because he's begun building saddle trees within the last few years so um with his analytical mind and and stuff it was uh i learned a lot of course i don't build saddle trees but i want to know as much as i can about them but uh, how did you think it went, Conley? I, I I thought it went remarkably well. Uh, Friday was was intense, um, and that and that's 
I think it, I think it was good. Um, it, it's so difficult at times, especially with you know, the, the tree making is way more in depth than than what it appears as the surface. And when you start getting into dimensions and angles and then fitting individual pieces of hand carved wood and then trying to trying to get to a, an overall set of parameters. It doesn't take very long before the smoke's rolling out of your ears, and and you don't you don't know whether to be happy or to cry because um, <laughs> it, it, it's just so. I we did. I, I think I think we did maybe hit a a touch of information overload um, about one o'clock on on uh, Friday afternoon, um, but but no, I. It, it, it was all very, very valid stuff, and and I, I I do feel that most everybody from a few that came up and talked to me afterwards that um, I think everybody walked away with something, uh, whether it was they didn't something that they that they didn't think about or or hadn't been exposed to or um, you know just perpetuated their viewpoint and they didn't necessarily agree with it which you know hey that's that's okay that's what makes the whole thing tick is is we're 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 not trying to get everybody to agree with with our thought process we just simply want to talk about it and maybe show the other side of the coin and and let's have a good discussion because there may be something that that we haven't thought about or the, the, a different angle that I haven't thought about. And, and, um, that conversation's what triggers, you know, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe, yep. maybe there's more to this and, and I need to stop and I need to back up and I need to go look here. Yeah. Um, totally agree. So, so yeah, it was, I thought it was very well received. Um, and then the next day with, with, uh, Carrie, um, kind of leading the the design stuff. I think that was a very good tie-in, and it was uh, maybe maybe not quite as intense in your face, but it, it it rounded out the 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 summit very very well. With it was something that everybody can relate to, and everybody got involved in the in the discussions, and um, that that stuff sparks motivation. Um, and I, I mean, I know I did, I was, I was pretty wore out by the time I got home. Um, but, but yeah, you, you're kind of chomping at the bit and ready to get back in the shop, uh, come Monday morning and, and, um, and get to going again. So, so question about the, uh, like, so you were mechanical side, uh, on Friday, it sounds like with your trees, Conley, and then Schwartz, you were, you were a design guy putting the icing on the cake on Saturday. Was there more opinions and more, uh, I shouldn't say hardcore thoughts on your, on your deal, Conley? And most guys, when they go in there, they, they think they know how a saddle's supposed to fit a horse. So by golly, you're either doing it or you're not. We're, Carrie's talk, I, I haven't, I have an idea from my own world and bits and spurs that guys don't get so hardcore on design elements or design rules. Where me and Schwartz, we may be complete turds about, yeah, you have to do these things design wise. But I find that majority of the guys are more set in their ways with the mechanics than they are the 
the design thing. Was it that way? Was that why it was intense for you? Um, yeah, to, to, uh, I guess I'd like to say I was, I was kind of the, the third cog in the, in the wheel up there. Um, the, the discussion was actually led by, by Joe Bramwell, uh, who's a tree maker out of Southern Idaho. And then another, uh, friend of mine that's up fairly close to me, Jake Christensen. Um, he were, they were the two primary, primary tree guys. And I kind of just tagged along a little bit there, but, but yeah, one of the, I guess one of the things, the issues that I see is there's always been a very big disconnect between tree makers and saddle makers and, um, tree making is, is always kind of been this great big magical mystery as to, um, how it happens. And, and there, and there's really not a lot of hard and fast evidence as to why it happens that's out there publicly. There's, there's, once you get past, you know, Rod and Denise Nichols' website, which they've done a phenomenal job of, of getting very, very valuable, uh, information out there. Uh, they do a fantastic job of, of explaining things. Um, fantastic resource. But once you get past that, there isn't a whole lot of other places to go to, to gain, um, the information that you see. <laughs> and and that's I, I think that that's where because there's so much of it that isn't necessarily talked about in and constructing a tree in any part of the of the real saddle making um, path unless you make it a point to go seek it out um, I think that's where some of the um, whatever knowledge with trees you know we've all had to go out and figure out on our own with fitting horses, um, talking with other makers. And, uh, it, it, I guess it's more in the theory part of things. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I guess that, that's where the differences of opinions come in. And, but truly everybody was there to, to learn, to, to better understand what, what goes into one. Um, and yeah. I, I don't know if that answered your question directly, Wilson. I, I may may have got off a little bit. No, it, it it makes sense to me. I mean, bridle bits are the same way. You get to talking about a bridle bit. The only thing, I mean, the difference between a bridle bit, um, we can have one bit, and for one guy it's perfect, and the next guy it absolutely doesn't work because the individual's hands are pulling on it. So theory gets involved and application gets involved. Where I would think with a with a saddle and a horse either fits or it doesn't but i also understand um there's a lot of different variables to the day and what's going on so i'm i know things can deviate up with a saddle as well but um, <clears throat> that's very interesting just hearing guys opinions there i'm i'm we all have experiences of guys that have it all figured out and know exactly what they're doing and 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 either theoretically or realistically but yeah I'm, I bet it could be a deep discussion. I think that was the gist of my deal is like, I bet that was intense for sure. Yes. Yes, it was. And, and, uh, really and truly, uh, Jake and I had rode up there together and we were on our way home and we were kind of talking about things and, and, uh, you know, his, his thoughts were kind of the same. You know, we thought that every, that everybody, 
accepted what was presented very well and and walked away feeling good about everything but boy we barely picked the scab on the surface of yeah. of uh, carving wood and and making sawdust chips yeah i bet that's right well both of you guys have have uh touched on something that that came up in a zoom call i was part of a committee that helped put this together i guess i was what kind of a uh, automatically on the committee because they voted to have it in my hometown. So I guess that meant I had, had to be involved in some way or another. But um, what I said on one of those recent calls was, especially with the, the saddle tree deal, and to some extent the, uh, the, the art part of it that we talked about on Saturday, is they're trying to close the gap between theory and practice. And Wilson, you said that a moment ago in different words, but <clears throat> that's that's what we, it's pretty easy to kind of leap on to information that we kind of fabricate in our mind that this works or, or we see one particular setting that it did work and ignored everything else at the mm. expense of the, of really what's working well and get stuck in our own heads and stuff and that's what's so valuable about getting together like this everybody coming together and check your weapons at the door and yeah no shots fired and let's just talk about what's going on here so i thought it i in that aspect i think we did move the needle a little bit sure well schwartz you did your talk on saturday you were worried about it how'd you do i was i was a few days ago, before that, I was, I was thinking, "Am I crazy?" <laughs> I think that that kind of second guessing has happened a lot with people. But you know, I've I've had some of that stuff. I've trotted out there for classes, much much smaller, smaller in person classes. Got some of that stuff on Patreon and whatnot. But but. They gave me nine to nine o'clock in the morning till noon, and I thought, man, these people aren't going to want to hear me <laughs> drone on for three hours. So I really wanted to do was was get some a discussion going, and uh, and and you know how that happened. Huh. <laughs> Wilson and I have talked about this many times. Is you got to create a safe spot. You got to yeah. you can't you can't be whacking people with a clipboard or anything like that of course that wouldn't be my style anyway but and uh conley was one of the first ones to jump in there with some input some really good input so so yeah i i felt everybody in the room was was uh comfortable to jump up and contribute to the discussion and ask questions and all that kind of stuff so i i really enjoyed it went way better than what i thought it would well you didn't have to dominate the conversation the whole time then no no i i mean i i kind of led the discussion but i didn't sure i wanted to hear what everybody else had to say well that's cool i i like i like that talk you know when it's coffee shop talk or or uh just uh sharing of ideas and not yeah, three hours of lecturing on design. That'd be a great sleep aid if you weren't careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, sir. <laughs> you throw yeah. in dynamic symmetry and root rectangles and all that. Yeah, we could have some sleepy time. <laughs> Sleep aid. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, you know, those are great things and they're great topics and, and great, great things to go by. But, man, you get to just droning on about it. Ugh. Yep. Ugh. Yep. Oh, well. Well, that's cool. I'm glad that was a fun weekend. And I, you know, we, we had, we've had a, a, a couple of those in the last couple of years with at Matt Humphreys, Matt Humphreys and Troy Flight Hardy have put on for the Bittenspur world and, you know, have a hundred and something people there. And it's, it was organized kind of like a three ring circus. So the beer cooler was opened up early and, and lots of people, you could just come and go and visit wherever the heck you wanted. You could either, either be a part of a conversation that uh, a lecture that was going on demonstration or, or go over with your buddy and say, that guy, that Wilson doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And, and there was a lot of that going on, you know, but it was fun. It was a great weekend and, and just getting together with like-minded individuals and talking everything from the business side to, to the nuts and bolts of what we're doing is, is, uh, those are great things. So congratulations to state of Idaho for y'all continually put that stuff together. And I, I am thoroughly impressed with that. That's, that's cool that that happens. Idaho does have it going and they have had for quite a while. The, the folk arts director before the guy that's on there in there now, Stephen Hatcher, as uh, a guy in there has been, I think for nine years or so. In fact, our very first saddle summit here in Idaho was one of the first projects he took on, and uh, and the gal that was in there before, I thought she was great too. But uh, Stephen's taking it to a whole new level. So, you folks out there, get get your state arts councils, get a fire lit, because uh, it's 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 all a part of the. Uh, the arts community and stuff we don't need to distance ourselves from that uh, because there's a lot of resources that could be had with that you know texas does a little bit and and uh, not here recently but some of the years past i've done some things with with the texas folk art they call it my dad has done some stuff and uh, but i that kind of been quiet the last couple of years i don't know i don't know what's happening but we've never done anything i mean never anything like what y'all are talking about doing up there guess we can push them push the folks get a fire lit yeah well conley the business side uh you 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 took a you took a page right out of my book man and i i have i you read my mail to tell you the truth when i first got started i thought for sure that we were way different right and uh and as the further out, and I too, uh, I minored in business. I uh, had a an ag economics degree. You're you're obviously smarter than me, and that you, I love agriculture. Grew up with a a horse and a hat, but uh, so I thought I had to go to college and put ag in front of whatever it was I do because we're cowboy, right? So we got to be ag related. Where in reality, sure. I, I probably would have been better off in the university I went to 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 drop the ag part and go straight to the business side i would have learned more about business than i did where i went but but uh i always thought business was was uh, a critical part of of whatever it was i was going to do making a living and i always wanted to grow up and have a business well as i started the bit and spur journey 
I thought, well, I'm different than everybody else. These business guys aren't going to understand what it is that I do or how to make a living doing what I do, which we both know how idiotic that was to think that way now. But as I, as I went off to got in the TCA and got around the, the board of directors at the, at the Cowboy Museum, I thought, well, I, I can't talk to those guys because I'm an idiot. And, you know, and as I've got to know them, become friends with them, it all became so evident and so clear of just how similar everything was. And, and uh, um, so good on you for learning way early in your career that it was all the same, how, how much it all related together. But uh, elaborate a little bit about that. I mean, it, 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 it is exactly the same. It's, it's to me, it is. Sure. What's going sure. on? Uh, I, so for, for me, when, um, I kind of kicked it off uh, a little bit unknowing what I was what I was getting into, but there was something that you know, no, you you got to pay attention to how you go about this. So when I quote unquote opened the doors and went full time um, in in 2005, one of the one of the main objectives that I stayed completely focused on was. I gave myself a time frame, and uh, the the first go around was six months. And the process is is I'm going to start this. I've got six months, and at the end of six months' time, I need to do a full evaluation, and I and I need to be able to if reach my projections and my targets and what my my target was it was a number of gross sales um, that I felt I needed to be at um, in six months' time to to actually make this thing work. So, and, question: Where does that come from? Is that from your education, from your schooling, or a, an individual, or just your own personal goal type of thing? I think it. I think it was maybe. It's probably a little bit more uh, stemming back to my my personality, my my upbringing with with my parents, um, and then it was backed with the schooling. And the the a lot of where that stemmed from was is uh, okay. You want to go play or you want to go try this idea, but. You got to be realistic because you got to have a job. You got to you, you got to contribute. Um, you know, we we want to someday we want to own a house, or um, you know, you you need to replace a vehicle. You have to survive. You have to live. Well, um, the cold hard reality of life was was probably one of the biggest um, driving factors in that. And that's, you know, that was a, that's a pretty tough conversation to have with yourself when, when it involves something that you're passionate about doing. And, and it was, so that was where that came from was, okay, and at six months time, if I haven't met this objective, or at least be very, very close to this objective, then, all right, uh, can't do this go get off your go get off your pine pockets and go get a real job um and you can come back to this later as 
as a, a hobby or a sideline or you, you're not just locking it away and being done with it. It's just a different format so that uh, life goes on. I, I, so, I, I, I got to interrupt you. That is incredible. That Schwartzy, have you ever done that? How many people in our world do we know that never set goals for themselves, that never put a parameter out there that they have to go? And I'm, for one, at fault. Have ne- I'm just now starting to do that type of stuff. And and uh, that is awesome for you, Conley, for doing that. And the word go, no wonder it's been successful. So because otherwise, my my thought was just was just ma- okay. When I went off on my own at my house, am I going to be able to make it? Can I get enough? But I never put the goal out there of what I'm actually trying to accomplish to better myself. It was just to be enough. So 25 years into this deal, yeah, I've made stuff better and I've always gotten better. But it was, is it enough? That was the question instead of how far to sure. go. Sure. Yeah. So you done so that, no, that was... Or go ahead, Conley. Go ahead. No, that was that was the that was the initial beginning. I got through my six months. I did my full evaluation. Um, I was within, I think I was within a thousand fifteen hundred dollars, just under uh, what my target number that I was trying to reach. And I thought, man, I I'm so close. And there was some things. There was some interest growing. Uh, I don't want to give up yet, but you know, I really didn't meet the parameters and maybe, maybe I should, uh, redirect. Uh, and I thought, no, I'm going to, I'm going to try it again. So I gave myself another six months and the parameters of that one was I had to be at my, my target number plus making up what I had missed out, um, on the first go around. And, uh, so I went to six months and I was able to achieve that. I, I hit all of my numbers. I'd made up the difference for the year. So that kind of got the ball rolling in that aspect. Um, and then now, okay, now it's time to expand. Now it's time to push on these things. But one of the, one of the key components to this whole thing is, is, um, having the number in front of you that you need to obtain and that comes from setting down and figuring your your monthly or your yearly living budget and you know in the beginnings when i started out we we rented the little house in town so you know, we, we you've got rent, you've got rent money you have to come up with. You've got power bill, you've got uh, your insurance, uh, your groceries. Well, all that was was we figured our total monthly bills and added it all up. And in our case, my wife works as well, um, and we divided it right down the middle. And okay, here's your half. So that's the starting of the number of what you need what you need to cover. And then from there, it's, well, um, we've got to implement things like uh, like an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. And we need to have savings. And there's uh, retirement um, starting to look down the path, down the road quite a ways. Now, that all didn't happen in the first one or two years. Um, because those years are pretty lean. Uh, we didn't have anything, but we didn't owe anything either. 
And that was a great opportunity to, even if you're saving, uh, even if you're saving $20 a week, um, it's better than not saving $20 a week. And I, I have always turned that stuff into a game or a challenge with myself, whatever, whatever it was. Um, when we got down, when we get into, you know, we built a house, bought some ground, we built a house, uh, started expanding, uh, and, and your mortgage, it, that became a game. Okay, it's, it's this much a month. Well, how much extra can I put on my mortgage uh, that I won't necessarily miss? Yep. Now, at the initial thought of it, it's, well, I can't afford another $200 a month to put, to put towards my mortgage. Well, don't don't start there. Start at fifty dollars a month, right. and then all of a sudden you didn't miss that. So then the next month you throw a hundred at it, and you do that for a little while, and and accept the challenge. And and it's amazing how some how some simple little step like a hundred dollars a month applied to something, what the what the result or the return is on the back end of it. Right. So are you a Dave Ramsey guy? I mean, there sounded some similarities there. Um, I was, yeah, I stumbled onto Dave Ramsey's book way after I had implemented most of these things, and and uh, and it was, yeah, it was a breath of fresh air, and and I remember reading through the book and and going, wow, this is very valid stuff, but I'm amazed that that some people have to pay to buy the yeah. book to understand this. Well, I was one of them guys. I had to pay for it. <laughs> Sorry, apologize. <laughs> no, no, it's it's good, man. I mean, and and uh, probably some of your background stem from that. I mean, uh, and and teaching as growing up, you know, a lot of that may have may have come from there. And who who knows why some of us get things that that others of us don't? But uh, that's oh, awesome. I- yeah, absolutely. And and my my uh my upbringing, my my father is he's retired now, but he was a veterinarian here in town and my mother was a was a grade school teacher. So, I didn't get away with anything. <laughs> no, uh, you my you know, my my mother's about 5 foot 4 and and weighs maybe 105 pounds and that's the meanest person I've ever been around <laughs> if if so, so no, it, it was good that way. We were always challenged. We were we always were taught the the value of work. Um, one of the other the, the other big influences along those lines is is the value of work. Um, it, it was instilled uh, throughout our family dynamics that no matter what, everybody had to work. Yep, and. The only way that you were going to make it through life was to work, not stand there with your hand out. It was yeah. you get up every morning, you put your head down and you go to work and you do whatever it takes for however long it takes to get the job accomplished. Yeah. Because without the work, there really isn't anything else um, available. So, so it was at my same thing at my house, um, my dad had this long saying, and I'm not going to be able to uh, repeat it correctly, but he always said, get up, 
load a horse, load a gun, get a feed sack, make your bed. I don't remember all the things he said to do, but just get up and go, right? You had to, you had to go mm-hmm. and work. What work wasn't a bad word. That's just what no. you did. It's, it's, you can, you don't have to be mad or upset because you're having to go do all these things. You have a good attitude, be happy, but don't, it, it's not the reason you got up is not to get back to the house as fast as you can to sit down and not doing anything. You have to think, be productive. That was the deal. Get up and go do something and be sure. productive in the day. Sure. So, you know, there's, the, that's probably one of the, one of the bigger, uh, bigger aspects that, that I can contribute um, to the, what little bit of success that I've had with, with operating the business was, um, it didn't matter what was in front of you. It didn't matter what the deadlines were. It didn't matter what the outside influences were. Uh, you have to do the time. You have to get the work done. So if that means uh, starting early every morning, I know, Wilson, you, you start mm-hmm. pretty early. Morning. Um, I do as well. I'm, I'm typically lights on in the shop between 5 and 5.30. Uh, and depending on the time of the year, summertime, um, it's, I don't usually make it to the house until 930, um, at night by the time I get done changing water and, and going here, going there. Um, in the wintertime, it changes, we're feeding. So that takes about, uh, about two hours a day. And then we roll into calving and, and that can be any time day or night as you go through it. But as we enter into those seasons and, and our, and my workload changes, uh, so does my time in the shop mm-hmm. and what, uh, you know, when it doesn't get daylight until, until eight in the morning here in the winter time, um, I try to do a couple hours before I go feed in the morning. And then as soon as I'm done, if there isn't any problems, then I come home. It's a race home back to the shop to to finish up. And then I I end up switching over and, and I, I get to where uh, it doesn't matter if it's uh, Monday through Friday or Saturday through Sunday, uh, especially when we're calving. Because there's enough interruptions, that time has to be made up. And I kind of get in a routine to where I, I'm in the shop seven days a week. Now, it may not be, you know, six hours every day or 10 hours every day. But uh, the time, the 40-hour the work week is always made up some way, somehow, uh, regardless of what the outside stuff is, is, is doing or what's going on. For sure. Schwartz, you, I'm going to keep talking if you don't start elaborating on something. Do you have anything to elaborate on? <laughs> no, you guys are doing good. No, it's uh, that work ethic. It doesn't matter what, what discipline. I mean, you got to have a work ethic to get up and get it going. Um, there's that's I feel I, I got to get up at 445. I was up at 415 this morning. I just woke up. And oh, it's close enough to wake up time. I'm up, have my shoes wow. on, and going and stuff. And and uh, so yeah, I think I think uh, early to bed, early to rise. That's a big well, deal. 
It is a big deal. And I, so Conley, you know, Mike Skinner and I are, are working together and he's helping me get some things going here in the shop. And it's, it's, I made the big comment one day. I think I told Schwartzy that I was going to say some very vulgar things to anybody that was got into my business and was told me I needed to work harder. I'm already putting 65 hours a week in the shop, you know? And <laughs> so it's like, I work hard, you know, and, and, uh, and I, and I'm not, uh, I'm not, I have the same attitude as you get up and go at it and, and, uh, charge hard. And there's a lot of interruptions to the day. Well, Mike, got into my books and got to looking at things. He said, you don't have a spending problem, kid. You got a working problem. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I don't. And uh, anyhow, he challenged me and he said, uh-huh. he said, why not 40 hours a week? I said, I'm trying. I've been trying for 20 years. Like, and, and uh, the time journaling is something that Mike encouraged us to do. And, and, uh, and it, it was incredible, but I've always kept track of my time. Carrie knows this for the last 15 years. I've been, preaching it all along and and uh knowing what you can work in the day and billable hours and all that stuff well mike said dude you need 40 hours a week I'm like all right here we go well you know what really irks me irks me really bad is now i'm doing it mm-hmm. why did why did it take an individual like mike to hold me accountable am i not self-disciplined enough i've always known the problem i've always seen it if i could just get more billable hours but it took somebody like Mike being in my life to say, hey, kid, you need to do this in order for me to do it. And that makes me mad about myself that it that I couldn't hold myself accountable. And uh, I, you know, I mean, I'm thoroughly enjoying the challenges that Mike is putting in my day um, sure. on this stuff. And it's not hard, but why does it take something like that every now and then to hold ourselves accountable? Well, I, I guess with yeah, Mike, Mike's very good at lighting a fire and and uh, and 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 getting getting a person motivated. Um, but what you know in that aspect, what what because uh, I went through a lot of the same thing. Mike's also very good at, at um, getting the point across of the opportunity cost of your time. <laughs> yeah, and. Yeah. And that's that's I think that's kind of where it, it becomes easy to get sidetracked with um, working hard and putting in the time versus where is that time being put in? Yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, you get up, you may maybe you're in the shop for, I don't know, 65 hours a week. But if. If you spend three hours of that sweeping the floor and mm. you spend six hours yakking on the phone with the neighbor over the weather, um, yep. it, it pretty soon, yeah, you've been in one location and you've done the time, but it really wasn't, there was no value attached to it. I totally um, agree. Yeah. And so that's probably... That that's the biggest hurdle that I see is how do you how do you orchestrate through your day to to make sure that every hour counts or um, I mean I, I I tend to take it to the extreme at times and I want to make sure that every minute counts. Yeah, and keep so, on the minutes too. So, you know, and and the the time journaling definitely uncovers that. I started doing 
the the time journaling probably oh 10 or 12 years ago i had a saddle that this was kind of the divining moment um uh, it was about a three-quarter flower carp saddle and and uh, a good customer and and i had i had done the bid and and got started on the saddle and i'm getting through this and and it was one of those that I sit down and I started I started doing the design work and this thing flat got away from me. I mean, it was just one of those pieces that uh, really got into the design work and then pretty soon, you know, we're we're at a you know we're we're at a thousand dollar stamp job when it should have been a you know a a hundred dollar flower on on something small that that idea of it uh, and right. so i you know I, I made it through this well and i was that was just right when i started tracking my time a little bit and uh i get i don't know i barely get halfway through this this stamp job and and it's cool i like it and i'm looking at how much farther i gotta go and it just totally hits me boy you you didn't make you didn't make anything on this so what do you do well you put your head down you right. move forward you finish it you, you complete it you make it to the best of your ability and that was a that was a lesson that you just had to pay for but yeah. all of those lessons and the expense that's attached to them those are investments in yourself yeah and totally there's agree. great value in investing in yourself so i didn't make that mistake again i got a piece of paper out in my clock and i started keeping track of every square inch of everything and that's what started to help formulate my pricing um yeah. whether it was it was carving whether it was just running a, a basket stamp and then i took it into well how long does it take me to build this piece and I was tracking that. And then how long, what am I getting done in my 10 hour day? And when the phone rings or when somebody stops by and all of that got written down. And meanwhile, I'm, I'm attaching all of this back to clear the beginnings of what is the monthly budget to, in order to live. Um, including all of the other things that that pertain to life, the emergency fund, the retirement, um, you, you know, improvements, uh, car insurance, shop insurance, um, you know, so on and so forth. So it's it's always been a very constant comparison of the costs of of living. And what is going on here in the shop? So, so I, yes, totally agree. And I've done a, a, a similar thing in a lot of ways. You're, you're much more detailed and, and, and further along in this journey than I have. But I've always thought about these things, Conley, and, and, and done some of it, right? They keep keeping track of time of everything that I've gone, that happens in a project. I've been doing that for years. Um, but do you find... Are you able to share that journey with many of our other craft guys and them not look at you through the side of their eye going, what in the world? This guy's, this guy's on a different, a different something than us. Right. Or, or do you find most guys are like, Oh heck yeah. I want to join your journey with you. Um, 
there's a few, there's a few that are definitely willing to listen. Um, there's a few that I, I get the re, I get the the re response back that my OCD has kicked in too much. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, off, I'm off in my own separate playground. So yeah. you know, and, and that's okay. Um, I. I I'm completely okay with it. I, I, I'm willing to, to talk to anybody that's willing to ask the question. Um, yeah. It's not that I'm an authority on any of this stuff. I can just merely talk on my journey and my ex experience over the last 15 years of how I expanded um, not only the shop, but um, expanded into the ranch and, um, and then we farm a little bit of ground as well. Um, and then the perpetual expansion with, with ranch property, um, cows, all, all of the above. So it's, it's not just one single thing. Um, I, I've always, and, and that was something that's always been very important to me. And, I could see early on was the there's there's great value in being diversified to mm -hmm. a point. Yep. And and having that diversity, even though I'm all I, I run three different quote unquote businesses, they're all agricultural related businesses. Um and you know they, they do coincide with one another, but Throughout all of this, um, all three businesses are are enterprise accounted separately. Sure. So they all have these. Each individual business has its own set of parameters of uh, uh, you know, your input costs are itemized out. Um, you know, improvements, uh, maintenance, uh, all of the uh, a return, a, per, a percent or a return on investment that is required off of each of these. And and it's reviewed every year because the one thing that, I, you know, when when the say the farming and um, hay prices are up, typically the cow market is in an adverse scale. Mm. Um, and so. At any given point, one of the three businesses, one is one is typically up, one is maybe staying a constant, and one may be a little bit back. And it's kind of a juggling act, um, but I, I've I've been able to somewhat keep the wheels on this train with with all three. That's always been my fear is the juggling act, and that's why I. Maybe diversified within my shop and certain. And now I'm becoming more diversified, and that there's there's ways for my shop to make money besides my hands moving. That's that's starting to come about in the last year. But uh, but man, if I was to get outside of my shop, it scared me so bad because I was so deep in my shop with commitments and what I had going on that if I if I broke out of my shop, it scared me. That juggling act scared me. So um, sure. Sure. I understand. I also understand all ha having your eggs all in one basket too, and and the danger of that. Right, that's not great either. Mm -hmm. Not great. No. I think that balance is going to be different for everybody. I know Has to be. Yeah. one of the things for me is um, my wife at six o'clock or whatever. Uh, she says you're done. 
So I may, when we ran cattle and had hay ground and stuff, I may be doing some, you know, changing water, doing things like that. But I often had a kid with me or two kids with me. And uh, so there's that. But, you know, to answer your question from a little bit earlier, Willie, uh, uh, you asked, so did you do all this? (laughs) Uh, No, (laughs) To, to put it bluntly. But not not in a in a really organized way. But um, what my wife did insist on was she did work. She's worked mostly part time during the thirty five years we've been married. Uh, so it hasn't been a big paycheck. But she says let's let's live off your income and not mine. And uh-huh. so that built that that right there that separation created space with with uh there there seemed to be always not a lot of extra money but there was uh, an emergency fund because she was rat holding that money away for quote extra things sure and um so we had we didn't weren't packing an awful lot of debt along the way so it it was it it the net result was probably somewhat similar but it wasn't as organized um, yeah, if that makes any sense. No, I get it. I mean, a, a mine. Is, so I, I was my 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 thoughts weren't organized down on paper. My my pursuit was probably the same, but but because it wasn't organized like what you have, Conley, um, the the path has been a lot more sporadic and erratic, and and of and each in its own time, right? I mean, uh. It, as 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 we all go through this journey and and like you were saying some guys you can share this with and they're all in and they listen and other guys think we're in a different playground well everybody's got their own path they got to go through this deal and all but uh yeah it's it's, uh, being organized is good yeah absolutely and and one of the as as simple and as silly as this may sound if whatever thoughts, whatever ideas, whatever plans that you're trying to implement, until you write that idea down, physically write that on a piece of paper and you can stare at it, it's not real and it will never happen to the extent that you think it should. And you know what? I have fought that for years. I believe you. I'm no yeah. argument whatsoever here, but I've hated that. I hate I right now that deal. <laughs> I know it, it's silly. This is a waste of time. I've got it upstairs in my head. I, I you know, so on and so forth. No, you don't. Um, a, I know. Take the 30 seconds and write it down and you don't have to look at it right away but you write that down and set it aside and then you come back next week after you haven't thought about it and read what you wrote down and it doesn't make the sense that you thought it did when you were writing it down in your head now you have to now you have to proofread that you have to adjust to make it fit exactly what your what you thought it was in your head but if it's not on the piece of paper it did not happen Schwartzy, I agree a hundred percent. It, but I, you know, it's not the cowboy way. <laughs> it's not something. It's not our. It hasn't been my way. And Conley, what people cowboys for years, write things I mean, down. 
Exactly. We can't even read. How are we going to write? <laughs> I don't know because because you know you, you, we have to do record keeping and and even running a commercial herd of cows. You know, you at some yeah. point you got to know how many cows you're running or how many calves calve or cows calved or you know yeah. how many are open in the fall. So it, it's it's really no different. It's it's just in the it's just in the approach. It's in, I totally agree. It's in the approach and, and, uh, and writing it down makes it real, like you're saying. And, and that's part of the deal right there. If I'd have wrote it down, Conley, if I'd have wrote 40 hours a week down, if I'd have just wrote that down, then I'd have held myself accountable. But I didn't, I didn't think it was real until somebody challenged me. And part of that's the challenge. If I'd have challenged myself, which ultimately might challenge me, but the real challenge came from myself and, 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 and I gave him my word that I would try. So that made me challenge myself. And now I'm all in like, there's no question whatsoever. Well, I'm pissed last week. I was six minutes short of 40 hours. Makes me so damn mad. <laughs> <laughs> I had 41 the week before and I'll, I'll get all the 40 this week. Cause I got a class starting tomorrow. So there will be sure. no interruptions, but sure. You know, and, and so that little scenario there, boy, if I got to the 41 hours, that was the requirement. Uh, and, and yeah, you, you you obtain that goal. I'd be turning around. I'd be figuring out next week, how am I going to get 42 and a half out of it? <laughs> well, you know, I just, you know, 41, I got that. No, this yeah. isn't good. Let's keep pushing on this, you know. But I, anyway. I, I do. I'm, I'm with you on that too. And I, I'm, so if I'm in here 65, how come I can't get 60? And, and, and I'm, so sure. what I'm writing things down now is what is preventing me from getting it. And like I invoiced and pictures and Rick, there was a lot of stuff that happened last week that just, I can't bill for. So it didn't, get, I'm in here and I'm definitely working business hours. It's just, they're non money making hours because it's, it's, I'm not being able to clock in on a piece, but yeah, um, getting paid for it is good. And, and that's where we kind of start back to, I think Mike maybe mentioned this uh, on, a, on a previous podcast was the, was the 80, 20 rule. Oh, right. And you know, 20, 20% of, of what you do is, per, is producing 80% of, of, of the, the income, income. results. Mm. So, you know, that, that's, that's a very, very good tool. And, and when you start to break down thinking about that, you know, that 80-20 rule applies to more than just your hands moving and, and the result from the billable hours. Um, you, 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 you know, you can apply that to your customer base, too. And the products, the, the, the variety of products that you build. Yeah. and it's a very good way to identify that, um, you know, unfortunately there's, there's things, there's products that we can build. There's things that we can do. Um, and we, we're getting paid for them. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we may not be getting paid the same amount for this particular item that we can get paid for a different item. Sure. And there comes a point where, you know, just, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. True and, that. 
And if, if it takes, and whatever it may be, if it takes me an hour to um, build, I don't know, a, a cell phone case or something, let's say. Well, by the time by the time you get done putting it all together and you got to put a little stamping on it and and the finish work and so on and so forth, this whole thing muddles out to be, you know, you overrun the the hour you had allotted for it and you're 2 hours into it, but you you, you still end up with this piece that is only worth x amount of dollars. Mm. Regardless of how much time you spend on it, there it's only worth x amount of dollars. And the the interruption cost to that that took away from uh, you know your 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 fluid motion on putting a saddle together um, that that's where the opportunity cost of your time came into play and maybe you'd have been better off not to to do that smaller project and to stay focused on the bigger picture the twenty percent um, segment and got a little further down the road. So I do very few spur leather buckles for that very reason. People have an, a perceived value expectation of spur leather buckles should cost X amount of dollars. And I'm like, all right, you just paid me $5,000 for, for a, a pair of spurs. And now for 20% of that time, you want me to build the same time. So it, like it, it's going to take me a thousand dollars worth of time to build a set of spur leather buckles for you, but you're only willing to pay 200 bucks. Sorry, mm -hmm. I, ain't, I ain't doing it. Right. It's like, I'm going to build, I'm going to build another pair of spurs and be a thousand dollars into them of getting paid for it as opposed to doing spur leather buckles. So I actually don't have a big problem with that because of the keeping track of every in it minute that I am working on a pair of something, right? A, a, on a something. Sure. So I understand the value of my time and what I'm doing on a piece, but yeah, I get it. I mean, I, it can be, it can also be tasked within the shop. You know, it's like, Hey, th let's, let's stop doing this because this isn't, this isn't paying off. Oh, absolutely. Schwartzy. I'm afraid Are we chew up an hour. Yeah, I'm afraid me and Conley could talk a whole another hour, and, and me and you could learn a lifetime of knowledge in another hour. Well, but I, maybe we ought to save it. We we yeah, we should save it for another time. We'll we'll put him on speed dial, and we'll destroy <laughs> another hour of his life. Can can you? How does this get? How does this hour get? Figure in the mix, Conley. You writing this hour down? Well, unfortunately, guys, I I. Cannot get the I couldn't get the my usual best out of this because of being on the video chat and I have very poor internet service so I've had to set still. <laughs> if this if this would have been under normal circumstances, uh, you guys would have been on speakerphone on top of the bench and both hands would have been going on things that weren't too noisy. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> well, well I'm. There's an art to that. Keep things going while oh. you got a conversation going and somebody stops by or calls and stuff. So, Yep, yep. And and then when, when you start to get to the end of the conversation, whatever, or get to the end where you need to stop, whatever I'm working on progressively gets louder. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that, is not... a, that is a shop hack if I've ever heard one. Uh-huh. 
let let's not be divulging all these secrets here because that 40 hours is getting easier for me too because of little things like this i'm sorry i can't hear you the bandsaw's going <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's like uh, tom cruise on the motorcycle in top gun he's revving his motorcycle up and and yeah uh, charlie gals trying to talk to him and he says huh what did you say? And he's revving his motorcycle. <laughs> there you go. Oh man. Well, fellas, I'm I'm gonna go. You know, there's one takeaway that I will never forget from this. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go lock myself in my own playground now. And, uh, <laughs> it's a good place. You're, it, you, you it is a good place all the time. Yeah, we come outside of our playground and we play with other other friends out on the uh, on the big playground. But but most of the time, I'm in my own head, my own playground, and uh, that's it. So, that's well, you guys have a great day. We might have to holler at Conley again one of these times, and and uh, need you to hang on for just a moment or two while we get all uploaded here, Conley, and and we'll. We'll get okay. With well, it. thank you guys for having me on. This was this was this was fun, and and I appreciate the invite. Thank you, Conley. Thank you, Take care.